Hey, this is Lou Mangello from WDW Radio, and you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 116 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to Stories of the Magic, we are a positive and story-filled Disney podcast offering stories from cast members, Imagineers, artists, actors, and more, including guests, promoting a mutual love of Disney, celebrating and preserving the Disney magic and legacy, and inspiring people to live their dreams just as Walt Disney did. If that appeals to you or piques your curiosity, you're definitely in the right place and I'm glad you're here. Today we have an early morning interview with the host of WDW Radio and the creator of several books and audio tours and more, Lou Mangello. This was going to be a one-hour interview, but thanks to the seemingly inevitable Skype issues, we only had about half of that time. Of course, this just means I'll have to have Lou back on. It was 6 o'clock in the morning for me when we started, and everyone else in the house was asleep, so if I sound a little subdued, it's because I was trying not to wake a sleeping 16-month-old. If you're a parent, you know that's the paramount rule of life. Now in this episode, Lou talks about what's making him smile today, how he became interested in Disney, how his books and WDW radio came to be, the condensed version, his greatest fear as he transitioned from his traditional job to doing his Disney stuff full-time, and his what-if moment, the fear that you need to have as an entrepreneur, how he's built the WDW radio community, talking to listeners as individuals, figuring out your why, creating initial connections and caring at scale, why he's created the specific products he has, when the term WDW Radio came to be and why he chose it, a little about the Dream Team Project, a shout out to the Be Our Guest podcast and their recent 12-hour live show raising money for Give Kids the World. If he could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what it would be and why, his advice to you for following your dreams, and of course, shameless plug time. As you can tell, we crammed a whole lot into a half an hour. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. listen. Hey, hey, Skywalkers, this is Richard. And over here is my sweetie wife, Sarah. You can call me Jedi Tink. And we are Skywalking Through Neverland. Jimmy Mack here. When you wish upon a podcast, wish upon this podcast. These guys are awesome. <laughs> we are a fan-focused podcast that covers Star Wars, Disney, pop culture, and their fandom communities. The stuff that surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds us all together as instantaneous friends. What do you know? We showcase what people are doing in the world of fandom and talk to those who are involved firsthand in the universes that we love. 
This is Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell. This is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from Star this Wars. This is Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Hey, it's James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I happen to be skywalking through Neverland right and now. I'm and skywalking I am through skywalking through Neverland. And I am skywalking through Neverland. I've always hated space travel. <laughs> skywalking through Neverland is the ultimate expression of fandom. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and our website, skywalkingthroughneverland.com. And remember, Neverland on Alderaan. <laughs> and now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Here on Stories of the Magic, we've had Disney fans who've written books, started podcasts, created albums, and worked for the company. This time we have someone who's written books and has a podcast, but he's done much more than that. I first heard of Lou Mangello in 2012 when I listened to him interview Paige O'Hara at the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. From there, I started listening to WDW Radio and have been hooked. Lou practiced law for nine years before he formed his own computer consulting and web design company. Later, he was the chief technology officer and director of operations for a medical imaging company in Edison, New Jersey, all of which obviously led him to become a Disney author, blogger, and podcaster. Okay, so maybe not. I'll let him tell the story of how that came about. Lou is the host and producer of the WDW Radio Show, which has been named Best Travel Podcast by the Podcast Awards for multiple consecutive years beginning in 2006. He's been doing this full-time since 2007 and is now an internationally recognized speaker on Disney. His philosophy of handshakes and hugs has helped him build a loyal fan base and a thriving business around his Disney passion. Lou will be among the first to tell you that it's not about him, though. It's about the community and the people they can help. And so he's the founder of the Dream Team Project, which sends children with life-threatening illnesses to Disney World. The Dream Team Project has raised over $250,000. That's pretty impressive, but more than anything else, the thing I want you to know as we start is that Lou is a really good guy. I can't wait to delve into all of this more. So, Lou, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. So what's making you smile today? <laughs> the fact that I woke up on this side of the dirt is uh, <laughs> is reason enough to smile, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so I know this is kind of a big opening question here, and you've talked about this a lot on other podcasts and in your own show. So feel free to give kind of a thumbnail and then we can get some other less travel directions maybe. But how did you become interested in Disney? It really started in November of 1971 when little three-year-old Lou Mangello hopped in the family truckster with his mom and dad and drove down to this place that had only been open a couple of weeks. Um, my dad and mom, you know, were big Disney fans. And so when they heard about Walt Disney World opening uh, in October, we drove down from New Jersey, and that very first trip and the recurring trips year after year is really what uh, sparked and continued to fuel my interest and passion for it. Wow, so you started pretty young there, and did you make like annual trips to Disneyland or what to me Walt Disney World, or how often did this go to to become something that built up for more than just, hey, we went to Disney World. Yeah, we would go. We started going every year. And even, even if Disney wasn't our final destination, um, you know, we would, we would travel down to Florida for vacations. We would stop there for at least a couple of days. Wow. Okay. I can see how it would really kind of get to be an important part of your life. And so that obviously was a, a key part of you becoming a Disney fan or at least a Disney Parks fan. But we'll skip ahead here because you've taken it to another level entirely. How did your books and WDW Radio come about? 
So Reader's Digest condensed version. Um, in 2003, I was a lawyer uh, in New Jersey. I had an IT consulting company on the side. And because I was always in the service business once, I had this idea that I wanted to make something once and resell it, I think, from watching too many infomercials. So <laughs> the idea of a book came to be, and I couldn't write about the law or computers and all I really knew about was was Disney. I just had such a, a fondness and a passion for it. So I just really set out a personal challenge for myself, which was, can I write a book and can I get it published? Uh, I learned everything I could about the book publishing industry, sat down to start writing, to start writing and eventually found a publisher and signed a multi-book deal. And that led to this little two-page brochure website and then the community and then podcasting. And it really just sort of quickly snowballed from there. So the intent was just write a book, see what happens. And then all of this came from that. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Now, this transition that I talked about in the intro that you know, at some point you switched from the IT consulting and the law profession and all of that, and this became your main gig. This is, this is what you do. Um, so as you made that leap from what you were doing into talking and writing and speaking, you know, everything about – Walt Disney World and about Disney full time. What was your greatest fear as you made that transition? <laughs> uh, there were many. Um, you know, look, <laughs> it, it really was. You know, we talk about leaps of faith, and this was the quintessential leap of faith. I left the practice. I got out of my IT consulting gig, and actually, at the time, I was the uh, chief technology officer for a medical imaging company. So I, I had a great job. I had benefits. Um, I was able to sort of. You know, do my Disney thing on the side, but I really wanted to – the turning point for me, Randy, was what I call my, my what-if moment. And I think so many people, um, you know, we look back and say, gosh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have done that. Well, I looked forward and I said, you know, I, what, what if I'm able to turn this into a business? What if I could make this actually work? And that was – my turning point moment. And I said, all right, I, I don't have a business plan. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this, but I know that I'm going to give it a shot because I don't want to look back with, with regrets and say, what if? Um, and I, I did. I left my job. I sold my house. I brought money to my closing. I packed up the Honda Odyssey with all my stuff and put everything else I had in storage. And I drove down to Florida just to see if I could turn this thing that I was truly passionate about and really believed in into a business. That is a huge leap of faith. And it wasn't just you. You have a family at this point, right? <laughs> and I still do, believe it or not. They have, Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, I couldn't have done it without the, the support of my family um, you know, behind me in terms of believing in, in this dream and supporting me along the way. I, I know exactly what you mean. So was your fear as you were doing that, the fear kind of, to use a current colloquialism, a fear of missing out on what if I didn't do this or – what about a fear of what if I do this and it doesn't work? I, I was ready for that. You know, I said, look, if I go down there and it doesn't work, I could at least say that I tried it and I won't look back and in and, and wonder. And I said, look, you know, I, I was an attorney. I was in IT for a number of years. I own my own company. I said, look, I'll find I'll make it work and, and understand what I mean when I say this. And not to disparage it, I'll go work at Best Buy or Denny's or do whatever I have to do to make sure my kids eat a couple of times a week. Um, <laughs> you know, even if I can't make this dream happen, I'm going to I'll find a way to make sure that the rent gets paid and, and food gets on the table. And, and I was and continue to this day. Look, man, if it all disappeared tomorrow, I am ready tomorrow to go do whatever I need to do to make sure we survive. 
And, you know, I think it's that kind of commitment to doing what, whatever has to be done that maybe helps you have a little bit of a little bit more freedom, at least subconsciously in what you're doing, because you're like, I don't have to make this work. I, I can do something. I will do something. And so now with this, I'm going to do do it in the way that is most important to me and that I most want to do it. And if it doesn't work, well, then I'll go do one of these other things. That's true, and, and, and I agree with that to a certain degree, but I also believe that fear is a great motivator, right? And I think sometimes – and what I mean by that, Randy, is that – look, I think that you need to take a leap of faith, but you need to have a parachute, right? You need to make sure that the rent gets paid and, and food gets on the table. But for me, even you know, 11 years later, to have 15 years later, you still feel as an entrepreneur too – or I think you hopefully you still feel this little sense of fear because that's going to keep you that's always that's going to prevent you from getting complacent right that fear of hey I ha- I need to keep up I need to keep ahead I need to keep doing I need to keep developing and inventing and making sure that there's a revenue stream coming in so when I say that fear is a great motivator I mean that in a good way and I think you need to have a little bit of that fear so you don't go you know what I'm going to sit down and binge watch Netflix for a couple of days um you know when you know <laughs> right. that the American Express bill is coming in and and you know like I said it's it's a good type of fear if if you understand what I my meaning yeah yeah, I get exactly what you mean. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Now, as you've built all of this and as you you're continuing to do that, you have an an extremely passionate and loyal fan base. Excuse me, not fan base, group of <laughs> listeners and friends. I know how much you dislike <laughs> the word fans. <laughs> so, how did you build that community? I think and you're right, they are friends, not fans. I I'm, I don't like that word um because i think you and that's how i i look at people and i think hopefully that's how they look at me as we are are just friends you know i I built it and i still believe in in building things organically uh you build things by becoming a magnet for the people that you want to attract by treating people the right way by not worrying about you know a lot of what you hear about now so often in the entrepreneurial spaces or marketing spaces is is you're growing your numbers and growing your fans and followers and likes and tweets and follows and hearts and listen. I, I don't care about the numbers and I never have. And this is not a, a lie. This is the truth, man. I don't care about the numbers and I have to grow, grow, grow. You got to care about the people that are already there. And when you do and when you treat people the right way, authentically and genuinely, they will become your friends. They will become your most loyal evangelists. They will be the ones who go out and say, hey, you like Disney World? Hey, you need to go and check out the Stories of the Magic podcast. And that's how it grew, and that's how it continues to grow. I don't spend money on marketing or advertising. Um, I'm going to show my age here. I I call it the Fabergé effect. There was the old Fabergé commercial from the 70s and 80s, and if you like a product and they tell two friends and so on and so on, and that's how I built it and continue to grow. Um, I don't want to, you know, trick it into growing numbers. I want the people who are there to be there because they want to be there and because they like what I do. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard as you've done this, like I had said in the intro, I've been listening now since 2012. And I've noticed that when you talk to listeners, you talk to individuals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that's been pretty key in in doing this as well, that it's not the listeners, it's you. You, the listener. Right. You need to talk to the one person that's listening and and connect with them on a very personal level. Uh, You don't – 
want to and this is just this is me and it's sort of how I look at things um, because I want to connect with that listener on an individual level because hopefully something I'm talking about on my show or doing a live broadcast will resonate with them on that personal level and will make that individual connection so I don't want you the listener who's feeling to be like oh I'm one of a hundred thousand people listening no you're the one person that I'm talking to right it's it's, it's like the line from Muppet Vision 3D all these people think I'm talking to them but really I'm just talking to you well that's sort of how I think when I do my show mm-hmm and you just used that in a I did. <laughs> uh, contest, in a contest a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, now you were just talking, and I was thinking about this as I was doing some research too. That you were, you, know, you were just saying that rather than focusing on growing the audience, you focus on who you have, and I totally get that. And I'm incredibly grateful for the listeners that I have and the readers that I have with my books and that sort of thing. But I wonder, and this might be a question that's overly complicated to try to get into, but I'll ask it and we'll see. Uh, is there a point, maybe that kind of a low point where it becomes a matter of, you know, I only have X listeners and it hasn't really changed in Y weeks or months. This is more time and effort than I can put in for the size of my audience. So I, I hear that a lot, um, especially when I go to conferences or I do presentations or, or consulting with people. Um, you know, they're so focused on the only barometer that they have is a number. And they say, oh, my, my numbers are static and I'm not growing. And, and uh, you know, 11 years in doing podcasting, Randy, and, and I know people sometimes don't believe when I say this, um, the numbers don't matter to me. If you asked me what my numbers were, I'd have to go and find the link to go check my stats because I just don't do it because I don't care. Um, and not that I don't care about those people, but – I don't care if I'm necessarily moving the needle because I'm going to continue to do the show that I want to do that I hope will attract like-minded people and hopefully will continue to attract more people that like the cut of my jib, that like the messaging, that like the content, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and I think people too have to also think, what is your why? And what I mean by that is for people that start a podcast or start a blog, you know, I ask them right off the bat, why – I understand what you want to talk about. That's fine. That, that's the easy part. But why are you doing it, right? Are you doing it to broadcast a message because you have something that you want to share? Are you doing it to, to because you want to make money? Uh, are you doing it for the, you know fame and fortune and glory? Because <laughs> those reasons are going to determine what for you is going to be that barometer of success. I never set out to do this to make it a full-time gig, to be the thing that was going to support my family. So my why was and continues to be I do it because I just love the place, right? I love talking about it. I love getting together with like-minded people and talking about the things that make us happy about going. Once you do that and you, if you have – and look, I hear people all the time and I'm sure you know this too. People say, oh, man, I only have 100 people that listen every week. I'm like, really? So if 100 people came and knocked on your door on Sunday night and sat in your living room and was like, all right, Randy, tell us some stories of the magic this week, you'd be like, I need more Doritos. Um, <laughs> you know, so never – I hate when I hear the word only. Like I only have this many listeners. Those people are giving you their most valuable commodity, which is the is their time. You you better believe – you better give them that that same and love and courtesy in return and then whatever that why is, whatever that thing that you're trying to do or build or grow will eventually happen. But this is very much a marathon and not a sprint. 
Yeah. Uh, and speaking of marathons, that's something that I hear a lot when it comes to running is people say, you know, oh, well, I'm only doing the, <laughs> you know, the 10 K or the five. Right. Like, Dude, you're doing <laughs> you're a five K, do- <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you're running a heck of a lot farther or walking <laughs> or whatever. You're covering a heck of a lot more distance than a lot of people do. Yeah. It sounds like it's kind of the same sort of mindset when it comes to this. Absolutely. Yeah. To take that word only out of your vocabulary. Yeah. Like I read yesterday on one of the run Disney Facebook groups, the only time it's acceptable to use the word only, particularly in context like this is if someone says I'm only doing the marathon when they're referring to the dopey <laughs> challenge weekend, you know, that's yeah. the only time it counts. Yeah. So um, related question to that then, how do you focus on and really care about the people that you already have if you don't have a lot in the way of interaction, like if you don't know who they are, do you just sort of have this avatar in mind and you talk to that person and try to care about that person? Or how do you create those initial connections that then fosters those relationships? You know, I'm happy you asked that because I, I hear this all the time about um, about, look, you can care at scale. You know, there is a way to care at scale and there's lots of different ways to do it. So if somebody sends me an email or a tweet or a Facebook message, you better believe that if you're going to take the time to email me, I'm going to give you the courtesy of a personal reply. There is nobody else that has ever answered my email, my tweets or my messages for me. Right. So you need to give them the same courtesy and respect in terms of your time. Look, I believe you can care at scale. And and it might take you longer. It might be a lot more effort. You might be sitting up late in bed responding to tweets and messages. But I think that is so incredibly critical. I think too many people are so focused, like I said before, man, about, you know, they're so worried about growing the numbers that they're not caring about the people that are already there. Yeah. I just heard them talk about that on the Entree Leadership podcast. I think it was yesterday as well, something along those lines. Um, so just starting with what you have, even if it's just one person, yeah. just only same kind of thing. Let's take that out. If Even if one person emails you and you respond to them and then that starts it and it just kind of – it goes where it goes from there. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And I will tell you that I am still friends with the very first person that ever bought – you know, I started this whole thing with the when I first Walt Disney World trivia book, and I was selling it on my site. I mean, it was very there back in two thousand late late two thousand three, early two thousand four. There was no social media, there was no sales funnels, or what. It was just me with my little website selling my book from there, and the guy that bought the very first book, James D. I won't give his name, James D. I am still friends to this day, fifteen years later, with him and his wife. Wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that actually makes me think about the books and the podcast, I guess, just started out of you wanted to talk about this more, but it wasn't really the, this wasn't the the original main goal. Like we said earlier, it was the book. And now you have multiple books I and mean, you've got the trivia books. You've got 102 ways to save money for and at Walt Disney World. And then you've got other products, too. I know you've got the uh, audio tours of the Magic Kingdom and things like that. So did those just kind of come about as demand 
was there, people started asking for it, and you said, well, I think I'll do this because people are wanting it. I mean, I wrote my trivia book because I wrote the book that I wanted to read. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, there really was no Walt Disney World trivia book, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to just go out and write it myself. Um, and then I wrote a, a second trivia book, and then the 102 Ways to Save Money book came out of, you know, if somebody asks you the same or similar questions three times, it's a common problem. So I did set out to solve what I felt was a common problem, which was I want to go to Disney World. How do I save money doing it? I have a big family. I don't know when to go, where to stay, what to do. So I tried to answer it in a very easily consumable format. Um, I do a series of virtual audio walking tours because I love and I still love taking people to the parks and telling them the stories and, and sharing some of the, the, the secrets to enhance their experience. But I couldn't do it at scale, so I did it at scale the best way I knew how, which was to do it in uh, an audio tour form that anybody could download and listen to at home or take with them to the parks. Sure. Yeah, sometimes creating that kind of thing is the only way to do what you do at scale. And I wrote my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom, for exactly the same reason you wrote your trivia books. Like There isn't one of these. I want right, one of right. these, <laughs> so I'm going to write it. <laughs> So as you've gone through this whole WDW radio journey, actually, <laughs> come to think of it before I ask that question, I've got another one. Where did the – like when did the term WDW radio come into this? Did that start with the podcast or when did everything become WDW radio? So it started uh, with the podcast. Um, I had actually been doing another show before that with a friend of mine. We did it for a little bit more than a year. And then when I went off on my own uh, – I realized, and look, even in 2016, you know, people are still asking, what is a podcast? So for me, the 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 choice of the name was incredibly deliberate because you hear the word radio and you know exactly it is some sort of spoken word medium. Um, and WDW, meaning obviously Walt Disney World, uh, you know, now I do so much more in terms of video and live and go beyond Walt Disney World to the cruise line and Disneyland. So it's a bit of a misnomer, but, um, you know, it is the name and that's why I chose it. Mm, Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Especially to communicate to the people who don't know what a podcast is. Like you say, there's a lot that don't. Makes sense to give them something that they do recognize to kind of then be an entry point into something that they don't recognize. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you have any favorite or exceptionally memorable moments from WDW Radio, either the podcast itself or of you know, the various things that you do along with it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, there there really are um, – there, there are so many because, look, man, I, I am still a fan first. I, I still do the show that I want to listen to. So for me, it's um, – you know, I love the content not necessarily as a creator but as a consumer – and look, the show has afforded me the opportunity to meet amazing people. And look, the people who are my best friends now are the, are people I've met through the show. But I will tell you, as a fan first and as somebody who is so appreciative and feels blessed and grateful to do what he does every day, to be able to travel as I have, to meet the people that I've met, to be able to interview 
people like Richard Sherman and Julie Andrews, uh, you know, who were very much a part and continue to be a part of my Disney fandom, you know, a little seven-year-old Lou Mangello, like, gets excited <laughs> for that. Um, it's been one of the, the, you know, the most wonderful, rewarding things. But um, if I'm able to help people, you know, have a better experience or bring them some of that, you know, little bit of Disney magic that we talk about, um, there, there is no better feeling than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, speaking of helping people, one of the biggest ways that you've helped people not so much enjoy the parks. Well, I guess kind of enjoy the parks, but people who maybe wouldn't be able to get there otherwise has been through the Dream Team Project. Yeah, it's huh? um, yeah. Sorry, the uh, the Dream Team Project started out. You're going to get me all choked up, right? So when yeah. I started writing Crying my first book, <laughs> exactly. When I started writing my first book in uh, in 2003, my my dad had been diagnosed with cancer, and uh, I, I drove him every day for a few months into Sloan Kettering in New York, and I saw we would pass by the pediatric cancer ward, and I says, "Oh, I, I got to do something to help." You know, I take for granted my ability to get up and go to the parks and just live in, you know, an everyday life. I'd love to help them somehow. And I knew that, that donating money towards research might not necessarily reach them in time. So I said, look, the thing I love doing is going to Disney World. And I, and I realized right off the bat that I would, from day one and continue to this day, devote a, a portion of the proceeds of everything I do to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America to sponsor the wishes of kids with life-threatening illnesses to go to Walt Disney World. And that, too, man, talking about the community and the family that we have, uh, you know, we've done charity auctions and we have a running team and all these different things where people – devote and donate their time and their effort and their energy and resources um, to raising money to help these kids that really need some Disney magic. So um, that is honestly, man, the, the single most important part about what I do. It's something amazing. In fact, I think you and the Be Our Guest podcast that just did their 12-hour live show for Give Kids the World are the two podcasters, or the, the two individuals or groups in the Disney community that are doing something that I consider really outstanding to help uh, people, especially to help children that need it more than anybody else possibly. Thank you. And look, I've known those guys for years and I love what they do too. You know, when you, when you have the ability to help other people with no expectation of anything in return, um, there is no better feeling than that. There really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I know we only have a few minutes left here this morning, so we'll kind of skip ahead a little bit and revisit a couple of other questions another time, but I want to make sure I get to a couple of these wrap-up ones uh, for us. If you could have any job working for the Walt Disney (laughs) Company, what would it be and why? Oh, man. You know, I've been asked this question before, and I always hesitate and pause. Um, It would be something front-facing with the guests um, where I could hopefully – Share what I love about the parks, um, enhance their trying to do what I do now, but in a more official capacity, maybe. So maybe it's a tour guide where I could take people around and and show them things and have the ability to to stop and and point out little details and and history and backstory uh, to make their experience better. Uh, Because I think that at the core of what every cast member does, their job is singular, right? Their job is to make people happy. Um, And if I can 
you know, do what I love and the place I love and make people's experiences better. That's that sort of oh, look, I mean, I would be a I'd be a, a you know, a sanitation, a, you know, a sweeper in Tomorrowland if I could do the same thing, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. And some of those uh, the custodial cast members are the ones that get to have the best interactions with the guests. So. Absolutely. Now, each person listening has their own dreams. Maybe it's to write a book or pursue the love of something like Disney, or maybe it's something else entirely, but they're afraid or, you know, they've been, maybe they've been told that it's stupid and they should just give it up. What advice do you have for that person? You know, I think that, and, and I mean this affectionately, that you have to stop giving yourself or listening to all these reasons why you shouldn't and why it's not going to work and, and why you're going to, and you know, what's the worst that can happen by taking that leap of faith? You know, it goes back to the what if, man. It, like, you know, instead of saying what if I, I fail, I'll say what if it works? Like, what if I'm really able to take this thing that I love, whether it's, you know, Disney or Saved by the Bell or art or, you know, whatever, and, and turn it into something that you can do every day? You know, the idea of growing up and, and we see people every day where – they get up and are like, oh, man, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate God. And they can't wait to go home and, and work on X, whatever that thing is. Well, find a way to turn that X thing into something that maybe you could do every day. And, and in 2016, man, we've got the tools and the opportunity to do it. You just need that, that fire and that burn inside to start taking maybe some of those smaller or bigger leaps of faith. That's great advice. And you're right. There's no better time in probably all of history than now to be able to do those kinds of things. Definitely. Well, now, as we're getting to the last part here, it's shameless plug time. This is where you get to mention where people can find you on social media, how they can get in touch with you, any products. I, I don't know. I've heard that you maybe have a book or two and a couple <laughs> of other things. How people can find those, go for it. Uh, you know, believe it or not, man, I, I am not a, uh, I'm not a big shameless plugger, but um, – <laughs> Here's I'll do this. Uh, you can find all the Disney stuff that I do over at WDWRadio.com. Uh, I am at Lou Mangello on all the social and at LouMangello.com. You can find out about what I do in terms of speaking and, and helping other entrepreneurs because I, I one of the things that I love doing is being able to help other people pursue their passion and follow their dreams in, in whatever way that I'm able to do that. So uh, all that stuff is over at LouMangello.com. Excellent. Okay. Now, you know, I have to say, I thought I was interviewing Lou Mangiello this morning, but I only heard you mention food once and it wasn't even theme park food. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint so, you. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe I clicked the wrong button on Skype or something. But... <laughs> Who are you and what have you done with Lou Mangiello? I know. <laughs> exactly. Now, you did mention Doritos, so there, there are points for that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Lou. I look forward to talking to you again. Maybe next time we can mention food just a little bit more so you're a little more comfortable. I would love it, man. Thank you so much. I really really dig what you do, man, and I, and I appreciate you very much. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Lou Mangello for being my guest and to you for listening. In fact, I want to mention that between when the previous episode was released and now, on July 17th to be exact, Stories of the Magic celebrated four years of podcasting. So whether this is your first episode or you've been with us for all four years, thank you. Thank you for listening. 
for sharing episodes, leaving reviews, and for all your interactions and feedback. Thank you for sticking with me through some extended gaps between episodes, like the gap between the previous episode and this one, for example. I do have two more interviews scheduled later this month and a half dozen more I'm working on, so hopefully we'll have fewer of those gaps for a while. And to Lou and all of the other guests who have been gracious enough to come share their stories and themselves with us over the years, thank you again to all of you as well. Remember to contact me for more information or to get a quote for the podcast cruise on the Disney Wonder in September of 2017. If we really want to take the interaction and getting to know each other to another level, that's going to be a great place to do it. Disney Cruise is going to be a lot of fun anyway, and this will just make it even more special and even more fun. I want you to join us. If you missed the details when I first announced it, check out the show notes for episode 114. I'll link to that in this episode's notes so you can get right to it, and everything you need to know is right there. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be anything as extravagant as what Lou's doing with WDW Radio. Whatever it is, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, and you want to give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney's done, I'd love to hear from you too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, Stitcher Smart Radio, or through Google Play Music. And if there's a place that you usually listen to podcasts and can't find this one, let me know about it and I will do my best to get us on there. If you like the show, please rate and review it in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. It's a huge help, and it really does only take a couple of minutes. If you're not sure how to do it, let me know, and I will be happy to walk you through it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening or pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.